Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our message of the week. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged. To connect with our church family and to watch our services live, download our app today by texting Sparks Will Fly as one word, app to 77977. That's Sparks Will Fly app to 77977 or by visiting us online at sparkswillfly.cc. Let's go to Acts chapter 27. Acts the 27th chapter. I'm not kind of a, like a points, three points, four points, or five points preacher, but this morning I got 27 points, okay? So we're going, if you get done before I do, you're welcome to leave, but I haven't preached in a couple weeks, so they gave me about four hours this morning. You good? All right. So let's look at this. I want to read, if you'll allow me. It's kind of hard to break this chapter up. And um, so I just want to read the whole chapter. And many of you have been in the Christmas spirit, so you ain't read your Bible, so it would be good to read the whole chapter together. You good? So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the word of the Lord. We thank you, Father, that your word is alive. It's quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Father, we thank you that the word of God brings life. And so, Lord, I just thank you for the life being imparted in this room, even as we read the word today. I thank you, Father, today that we leave this place encouraged and we leave this place with great hope. Lord, I thank you that we leave every disappointment in this place today. And, Lord, we look with great anticipation. Lord, we are not a hopeless people, but we are filled with hope this morning. Father, regardless if the earth be shaken and whatever be removed, there is a river that the righteous can run to. Father, you are a strong tower that we stand under. Lord, you're an unshakable, unmovable rock, and you will stand to the test of time. Father, not one jot, not one tittle will ever pass away of this word. But, Father, you said in Hebrews that the worlds were framed by the power of your word. It's still turning today because you spoke. Father, we still have sun. We still have night. We still have a winter. We still have summer. We still have fall and spring because of what you put in motion. And we stand in that confidence today, Lord. We stand today knowing, Lord God, that we are a blessed people. Come on, somebody. I'm just trying to speak faith over the room. We are a blessed people regardless of what my bank account says. This morning, I'm abundantly blessed. I'm full of favor. I don't have to break through because you've already broken through. I stand here today as a son receiving an inheritance. Lord, I don't have to strive over anything. Lord, you've already won the battle for me. The battle is not mine, but it is yours, God. All I have to do is stand with my hands lifted and my voice open declaring that you are Yahweh, God. I thank you, Lord God, that the crooked ways will be made straight and the high places will be made level before me this year, God. I thank you, Lord, that my family will see the goodness of God in the land of the living, Lord. I thank you for that, God, today. And Lord, we just give you great praise and honor in this house. And Father, we are so thankful to be called the children of God. Come on, somebody. I am so thankful that I don't stand here fatherless, but I stand here with a dad that loves me, that is proud of me. Come on, somebody. That is excited about me, that moves every day on my behalf, even when I don't feel it, even when I don't see it. God, you are with me. Your rod and thy staff comfort me, even in the valley of the shadow of death. If there be a shadow in that valley, guess what? There's a light in that valley, and he is walking with us. Come on, somebody. My God, I feel the Lord in this place this morning. I could just go on like that. Sometimes you just got to 
show who you are and whose you are. Amen? So I really got, I, I, I could preach a lot of things, and usually I like to start off with vision. We're still working on the same thing we've always been working on since I got here, okay? Just because the year changed doesn't mean the vision's changed. Somebody always wanting a fresh word. We got 66 books up here full of word. Come on, somebody. All you got to do is open it. You ain't got to get on the larger list to find out what God's doing. Just get in your prayer room. He'll tell you what he's doing. Yeah, 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 yes, oh, Lord. So we're still working on the same thing, even though we're transitioning into some changes. You know that Wednesday night will be different moving forward. We will not meet in here on Wednesday night. We're, we're using Wednesday night to, to really do, like, mission work. Um, with the kids in the community, we just had such an, I mean, just a growth of this. We just need all the space we can get here on Wednesday night. So it doesn't mean that we don't, um, we're not going to gather or anything like that. We're going to launch some life groups in February. So give us some time to get that up. I thought I would have all of that, um, all of that ready already, but I'm just running a little bit behind. And so, but we will launch that in February. So, so there will be no Wednesday night service except for Ignite Age Kids and um, Firehouse Age Kids. Also on Sunday mornings, if you'll help me this moving forward, and it may take us a little time to adjust to this, but I notice upstairs we've got some eight-year-olds, some seven-year-olds, so we just need to get back to if your child is over the age of four years old, we need you sitting in here. Amen. And so I was raised up that way, and we'll be perfectly okay, I promise you. So we just want our kids to enjoy the presence of God, learn how to worship just like we worship, right? All right. So if you'll help us on that moving forward, if they're up there today, that's fine. But we just need the nursery-age kids upstairs. So no Wednesday nights. We're moving to life groups, and um, and then we're going to go after we're going to go after changing changing some things in this community with the kids. We just know that the Lord is uh, moving on that. And so we, we'll have four or five life groups, and we'll get all that together and get that, get that going. So Acts chapter 27, you there? If you've not found it by now, just trust that I'm going to read it to you. And, um, and let's, uh, let's look at this. And it says, When it was decided that we should sail to Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to one named Julius, a centurion of the Augustan regiment. So entering a ship at Dramaeton, uh, we put to sea, meaning to sail along the coast of Asia. Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessal Thessalonica, was with us. And the next day, we landed at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him liberty to go to his friends and receive care. When he had put to sea from there, we sailed under the shelter of Cyprus because the winds were contrary. And when he had called over the sea, which is of Cilicia, of so Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing to Italy, and he put us on board. And when he had sailed slowly many days and arrived with difficulty of Sinus, the wind not permitting us to proceed, we sailed under the shelter of Crete off of Salome. Passing it with difficulty, we came to the place called Fair Havens near the city of Lesia. Now when much time had been spent and selling was now dangerous, because the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage would end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo ship, 
but also our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than the things spoken by Paul. And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in the majority, uh, to winter in, the majority advised to set sail from there also if by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete opening forward to the southwest and the northwest and winter there. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire, putting out the sea, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, a tempest headwind arose called a nor'easter. So when the ship was caught, they could not head into the winds. So we let her drive. And running under the shelter of an island called Clauda, we secured the skiff with difficulty. And when they had taken it on board, they used cables to undergird the ship, fearing lest they should run aground on the Sardis sands. And they struck sail, and so were driven. And because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. On the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard and, and with our own hands. And now when neither sun nor star appeared for many days, and no, one, no, uh, and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. But after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and have not sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart that there will be no loss of life among you, but also, but only the ship. For there stood by me tonight, this, this night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and to whom I'm served, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men. I believe, I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. Now, when the fourteenth night had come, as if they, we were driven up and down in the Arctic, in the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors sensed that they were drawing near some land, and they took soundings and found it to be twenty fathoms. And when they had gone a little further, they took soundings again and found it to be fifteen fathoms. Then, fearing lest we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, they had let down the skiff into the sea under pretense of putting out anchors from the, from the prow. Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the skiff and let it fall, fall off. As the day was about to dawn, Paul implored them to take food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day you have waited and continued without food and eat nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take nourishment, for this is for your survival, since not a hair will fall from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread, gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. And then they were all encouraged and also took food themselves. And in all, we were 276 persons on the ship. So when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and threw the wheat into the sea. When it was day, they did not recognize the land. They observed a bay with a beach onto which they planned to run the ship if possible. 
And if and they let go the anchors and left them in the sea, meanwhile losing the rudder ropes. And they hoisted the mainsail to the wind and made for shore. But striking a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the prow struck fast and remained immovable. But the stern was broken up and the, by the violence of the waves, and the soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wanting to save Paul, kept them from, pur- from, from their purpose and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land. And the rest, some on boards and some on parts of the ship. And so it was that they all escaped safely to land. I want to preach a message called Run for Your Life. Wrong. I'm not preaching that. (laughs) All right. I want to preach a message this morning, just basically just where I've had to dig in with my own life and my own self. I want to preach a message on surviving the storm. You with me? I'm going to give you six things that I dug out of this myself, just trying to mine the Word of God for myself. As Stanton told you last Sunday, this Christmas, our lives changed at our house. We had Christmas Eve at my house and celebrated, and that night my sister called me at midnight. My niece did, screaming on the phone, and we lost my brother-in-law unexpectedly, 49 years of age, had a heart attack, and they never got him back. After just walking out that just a few weeks prior to that uh, with Chrissy, and I mean, I just, I was holding on to daylight trying to believe for a new year. But how many knows that unexpected things are going to happen? How many knows that the storms of life are going to come? They're no respect to a person. They just come. And it doesn't mean that God authors the storms. There's storms in the Bible that Jesus stood up and, and rebuked because demonic influence was behind it. But there's other things that we're just going to have to walk through called life. You with me now? One quote that I read, and I've, I've, just, I've just thought this was amazing, and it just simply says this, that God don't trust what he doesn't test. Listen to this. God don't trust what he doesn't test. If he tested Jesus, he will definitely test us, if we, what we say. And so it's times when times get tough. It's times when, when things get, when we get into storms of life that we got to truly dig down and believe what we say we believe or not. Come on. Paul said like this. He said, if you and I, if we hope in this, if it, we only have hope in this life, we're the most miserable. How I many knows this? That we're this morning worshiping a real God that sits at the right hand of the Father. Come on, somebody. The heaven is a real place. It's not a destination. I don't have to wait to get there. I'm not waiting on eternal. Our eternal life doesn't start when you die, friend. Come on, read your Bible. John 17, 3. This is eternal life that we know Jesus to be the only true Son of God. So once you put your faith and believe in Him, eternity starts at that moment come on that's good news so the first thing I want you to know if we can work with this air right here I'm, it's, how many is cold up in here I am about to freeze right here and if I'm cold it's cold I got a jacket on and insulation you know what I'm saying so listen to this I want, I, want, I want to pull six things out I promise you this is going to help you this morning the first thing they did was lighten the ship I believe it's just good wisdom every January just to stop and take an inventory of where we're at you with me now it's at the beginning of the year. Listen, next this week and next week, you don't want to go to Subway for lunch. Everybody's going to be eating Subway. But in February, they'd be over there at the Empire and Carters. You know what I'm saying? But it's just good It's just good wisdom to take inventory at the beginning to see where you are at. So, so the first goal in the storm is they realized that they did not need to carry any extra baggage because now a storm was approaching. Come on, somebody. It was a, north, north, a, a nor'easter that had hit the, hit the ship, and they were 
fighting for their lives. So they wanted to begin to lighten the ship. When I, when I thought about this of lightening the ship, a couple of verses came to mind. Number one is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, where it says, We are compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and sin that does so easily beset us, the King James says. But I love what Brian Simmons adds in there in the Passion Translation when he says to lay aside every weight, every arrow tip that has wounded us. How many knows it's at the beginning of the year that we need to take account? And listen, if we got any grudges, if we got any hurt, how many knows it's time to let it go? Come on, somebody. Life's too short to be walking around half mad and holding grudges against people. It's time to forgive folk. Let it go. Come on, somebody. This is what I tried to, I tried to tell someone the other day. I said, I was pointing at a fence. I said, listen, when you're offended, I said, you're the one in the fence looking out. The other person is totally free. It's time to let those things go. Another thing when it comes to lightening the ship, the other verse I thought about was Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, where Jesus said, he said, come unto me, all you who are heavy laden and heavy burdened. Listen to this. He said, come to me. He said, for my what yoke is easy and my burden is light. Everything I believe that God's speaking to us is just good wisdom. It's look at all the areas in our life where we are striving. That's what I said this morning. Friend, we're not trying to break through anything in this city. Come on, somebody. God has already broke through. He's already gone before us. When he told the disciples and he sent them out, it said he sent them out to a city where he was about to go. All I have to do is stand here in my assignment. God's surely going to show up for me. Come on, somebody. I'm a beloved son. I don't have to go earn anything. I walk in inheritance. I live in inheritance. And as I grow and mature in the Lord, God will release more to me. Come on, somebody. He's going to release your inheritance. My God, that's good. And listen to this. The metaphor of the yoke, the metaphor of the yoke is to yoke two animals together so that they become one and united in work. This is not to focus on the work, but to focus on the union. Come on, somebody. I'm succeeding this morning not because of how much I know, not because of my Greek and lexicon, not because of how much I know out of the King James, the NIV, the ESV. I'm succeeding this morning because of the one I'm yoked to, my union with Christ. So how we lighten the ship is we realize how to quit being focused on all the things that don't matter. Let me tell you something that don't matter. Building a great big church doesn't matter. What matters is that the lives in this place are transformed. If you are going deeper in God, that is better than running 500 or 600. Come on, somebody. Paul did not labor to build a big church. He said, I labor to Christ be formed in you. My goal in 2020 is to take cornerstone deeper in the heart of God and Christ be formed in you. Come on, somebody. That this room will be full of sons and daughters of the Most High God that we don't wake up in the morning wondering if God's with us. We wake up in the confidence knowing that God is with us every day. And if he be for me, then who in the world could ever be against me? I don't Pray, God, will you favor my family? Come on, somebody. I got the promise of Psalms 512 that he compasses the righteous with favor. My God, we wake up in favor. We lay down in favor. We go to the store in favor. Come on, somebody. This is the goal for 2020. Lighten the ship and realize who you are. Take my yoke, it is easy. Lord, I'm preaching like a Pentecostal. My brother-in-law was 
Baptist and I preached in a Baptist church. And I told him that day, I said, this is a miracle within itself. My brother-in-law had to laugh me standing behind the Baptist pulpit, you know. But we preached, glory to God. All right. But what's your survival plan? Surviving the storm? You got light in the shelf. Get rid of any hurt. I can't stress that, friend. Get rid of any unforgiveness. Make things right. Listen, life's short. James says it's but a vapor. You got to make it count. And you don't want to make your days count by hating somebody because they've done something wrong to you. Let it go. Jesus gave us the perfect example. Nobody was wrong no more than he did. Come on, somebody. But from the cross, he said, Father, what? Forgive them for they know not what they do. Let it go. Look at the areas of your life that you're striving in. Listen, if it's tough, if it's hard, you're probably not yoked up to Jesus. Come on, somebody. Because the burden, his burden is light and his yoke is easy. Lighten the ship. Here's the thing. The scripture says that they saw neither sun nor stars for 14 days. They was in darkness. There will be times that you enter into. I'm telling you, I've been at this a long time. There will be times and seasons that you get that the stars don't shine and the sun ain't out. Listen to this. I wrote this down last night. This is good. When you get into dark times, remember this. Beautiful pictures are developed in a dark room. New life begins in the darkness of the womb. The seed has to lay in the darkness of the ground to produce new life. My God, I'm trying to help us. Every dark season is an indicator, friend. Come on, some as something new is about to spring forth in your life. Good God Almighty. I'm preaching to me. If you get somebody, listen, every dark season is an indicator that something new is about to be brought forth in your life. Come on now. Listen to this. Psalms 18:11 says, He made darkness his covering, and a canopy around him the dark rain clouds. Listen to this. God is in the darkness. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. Come on, somebody. Even though I can't see no light, I is in the season that I might and I must trust that he is in the darkness. I also wrote this down. When you haven't heard anything new, you stand on one the last thing you heard. I said, when, we, when you ain't heard anything new, you stand on the last thing you heard. The Bible says, it puts it like this in Ephesians, Larry. It says, when you've done all you know to do, stand therefore. Stand therefore girded. Come on, somebody, with the whole armor of God. Stand in place. Listen, if God dwells in eternity, we dwell in chronos. God dwells in eternity. He's in a circle. Come on, somebody. If God touched me one time, all I got to do is stand in the place. He's coming back around again, okay? So listen to this. In the darkness, when I cannot see, when darkness, and it seems like it's enveloped me, listen, something new is being birthed in my life. The third thing. Paul stood up in the midst of that ship and said, listen here, an angel appeared to me last night and God said, nobody, nobody on this ship will lose their life. And he said, Junior, he said, I trust, I believe God just as what he said, nobody on this ship's going to die. Here's the third point you got to do. You got to trust the promises of God over your life, even in the storm. You got to understand some things will contradict your identity. God, I can't. Think about this. Jesus comes out. He's baptized in the River Jordan. 
The presence of God descends on him like a dove. He hears the words, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I'm talking about identity here. Things that contradict your identity. The scripture says then he's thrust into the wilderness by the spirit. After 40 days of fasting, the scripture says he's hungry. This wasn't no joke. He was really hungry. Think about this. The bread of life stands wanting bread. There's a contradiction of his identity. He's the bread of life, but yet he wants bread. And the enemy tries to hit him with his identity and says, if thou be the son of God, listen here, if thou be the son of God, command these stones to become bread. Now what you got to understand is Jesus was fully God on earth, was he not? But yet he was fully man. Come on, somebody. And everything he did was on man. And Jesus was modeling a life of trust as a son, not as God right there in that moment. As God, he could have commanded every stone to become bread and begin to take of it. But he would not, he would not pull on his deity something that was reserved down the road he stood in trust as a son knowing that his father would provide come on somebody and this is the same thing when we enter into places that contradict what God said we were if God said he's going to bless you financially I can promise you you're going to go through hard times and you will go through lack but if you can get your mouth to line up with what God said even in that moment come on somebody even though the bank account contradicts what God says if you will continue to speak out of your mouth but God said but God said I know the waves are bad Paul said don't you look at the ways. Don't you look at what's beating the side of this ship. We got to remind ourselves what God said. God said we are not going to die on this ship. I don't care how bad it gets. I don't care how many waves comes overboard. I don't care if the build pumps goes out. I don't care if the steering wheel breaks off. If the sail goes down, we are not going to lose our life. You have got to remind yourself of the promises of God over your life. My God. Jesus. Y'all right? 2 Corinthians one twenty says, For the promises of God are yes and amen. I love the Passion Translation, how he translates this verse. He said, in God there has never been a yes or a no. There has always been, always been, always been a resounding yes. I said the promises of God have always been a resounding yes. In my sickness, he is a resounding yes as a healer. In my brokenness, he is a resounding yes as a provider. In my depression... He is a resounding yes, his joy. Oh, my God. You got to trust his promises. Listen to this. Always been a resounding yes. And as his yes, and as his yes, in our amen, ascend to heaven, we bring glory to God. So our part is just agreeing with what he's already said. God, I agree with you right now that I'm healed and made whole in the presence of God. I, God, I agree right now that my business is flourishing because I'm connected to something that you're moving in. My God, come on, somebody. Listen to this. I don't care. You can take a, you can take a tomato plant. It might be dying. But if you get it in a greenhouse where that, where that environment is controlled in that greenhouse, it's going to flourish. How do I know your business is going to flourish in 2020? Because of the hand of God that rests upon this house and upon this ministry. All you got to do is stay connected in the soil. How do I know transformation is coming to your life? Because of what's in this room, the power of God that is in this room. Come on, somebody. How do I know you're going to be healed in 2020? Because of the power of God that rests upon this house. Come on now. If 
you connected to a body that is moving and a body that is blessed, you can very well believe that you're blessed. Our amen. Now listen to this. When the storm got bad, when the storm got bad, the scripture says they threw four anchors over the back of that ship. I ain't get this off the internet, y'all. Come on, somebody. I don't get my messages on the internet. They threw four anchors. When I read that, let me tell you the four anchors that God wants to anchor our soul in in 2020 is the four gospels. You got four anchors. It's the four gospels, the living expression of the Christ, the pictures that he painted in the four gospels that modeled out what life is like and how he, come on somebody. Hebrews chapter 1, the Bible says in times past, God spoke 1 through 3. In times past, God spoke in various ways through the mouth of the prophets. Other words, God was releasing puzzle pieces at a time. Come on, somebody. But it says to us in these last days, God has spoken clearly to us face to face in the language of a son. So every parable, come on, somebody, is a picture in language of God. God releasing to us what he sees about it, how he feels about it, and who he is. Jesus did not come to put a face on God. Jesus was God on the earth. Come on, somebody, revealing the Father. My. Come on, how many knows when Jesus goes into the Samaritans and the Samaritans reject him? James and John looks at Jesus and says, Do you want to call, you want us to call fire down earth as Elijah did? Listen, how many people today, how many people right now today, when they enter into storms, pull out the James and John scenario? How many use an Old Testament standard for a New Testament dilemma? I came to tell you a lot of stuff has changed since the cross. Come on. Wow, my God. Oh, somebody, I wish I had me a church that I could preach to that was alive. Listen to this. How many people use the Old Testament when you go through a storm that you're paying for your sin? You can't pay for your sin. You can't pay for your mistakes. Jesus has already paid for that. Don't entertain that lie. Don't entertain that junk. You got to get the four anchors down. Well, you don't understand, preacher. You don't understand how bad I messed up. Well, here's an anchor in John chapter 8. There's a woman called in adultery. You can't get no worse than this. It wasn't hearsay. It wasn't put on Facebook. She was caught in the act of adultery. You would expect they had the old, they had the law in their hand. Said, Jesus, Jesus, here's what, here's what the law says. Here's the standard of the Old Testament, but what do you say? He said, I'm telling you, the one without sin, you cast the first stone. He got down on ground level with that lady and looked into her eyes and said daughter let me tell you something where are your accusers and neither do I accuse you ain't you glad you serve a God that ain't holding your mistakes against you holding your sin against you come on somebody I don't know about you but I've read my Bible in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 God was in the world through Jesus reconciling the world to himself not counting their sins against them that is good news this morning in January 2020 you got to have the four Gospels as an anchor. Jesus, the storyteller, with every parable, with every message, was painting 
like Michelangelo, the face of God on the earth. When the angels appeared to the shepherds abiding the flock by night, their announcement was glory to God in the highest. Listen to this, goodwill toward men and peace on earth. That was the first announcement. When Jesus showed up to the crazy fishermen and jumped on Zacharias' boat with the sons of thunder, he told Peter, he said, launch out into the deep. And Peter said, Lord, we have fished all night. He said, but nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the nets again. And the scripture says they brought in 153 great fish. And he fell at Jesus' feet and said, I am a sinful man. God was revealing his nature right there. I have come to be good to man. Come on, some. I've come to bless man. When Mary was at a wedding, the first miracle, John chapter 2, he turned water into wine because they wanted it. I come to tell you we don't serve a God that just just provides our needs. He provides your wants. Come on, somebody. He'll give you the desires of your heart. I'll tell you what, if if I was in a Pentecostal church, people would be bucking right now. If we wasn't in this Presbyterian church, people would be throwing chairs. I don't know if y'all believe what I'm preaching this morning. I don't know if I got any faith in this room that really believes what I'm preaching this morning. I'm telling you how to get through a storm because you're going to get in a storm. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you a survival plan right now. Come on now. When the hurricanes come ashore, the weather channel scream at us. Get your evacuation plan. Get a plan in place. Here is a plan that will take you through the storm. I'm not giving you some feel-good goosebumps. Goosebumps won't take you through nothing. And when 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 the euphoric highs off, you better have some word. Come on, somebody. Can I talk to anybody up in here? You better have some words. You better know that you know that you know. Paul said, I am fully persuaded. I'm looking for a group of people like that. Paul said, I am fully persuaded that he is able to keep that that which I've entrusted unto him. Do I got any people up in this room that believe your God that you are fully persuaded? That you are fully persuaded? I'm looking for this, Miss Katie. Come on, somebody. In the epistles of John, John said in the first, in, in first John chapter 5, he said, This is the confidence we have in him. If we pray and if we ask anything in his name this is the God do I got any people in this room that is confident in your God that when you pray you have that thing which you've asked for I feel the Holy Ghost in this room this is the confidence we have in him we're not serving a what not on the shelf we're not serving Buddha that we got all other gods are in the tomb come on somebody but on the third day on the third day on the third day our God got up with the with the keys to death hell and the grave come on somebody Two o'clock in the morning, Christmas morning, standing in Waycross, Georgia, in the emergency room. My 49-year-old brother-in-law laying on a stretcher dead. Preacher started praying, and for some reason, his words, he just could not form his words anymore. And I felt the power of God come on me like hot grease. And I began to pray, and I looked at my sister, and I said, we stand here tonight not hopeless. Come on. We got hope. My brother-in-law just, he didn't die, friend. Come on, somebody. He just left time. I can't, I can't help somebody up in here. I said he just stepped out of time. He just, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. 
Ricky Stone didn't die. He just stepped out of time. Come on, somebody. It's either real or it ain't. If it ain't real, let's fold it up and go to the house because this is all crazy. But I really believe what I'm preaching this morning. Come on, somebody. I really believe I got some help coming from another world. Come on, somebody. I really believe what he's saying. And if he said it is true, come on, somebody. You can call us crazy. Come on, you can call me a holy roller. Call me an old school Pentecostal. But I'm telling you, it's 100% true, friend. If he said it, it's true. If he said he's a healer, he's a healer. I don't care how many funerals we hold in this room. He is a healer. My God, I'm going crazy. We're not standing with no hope. We got hope. I said, we got hope. We are full of hope this morning. I'm I'm full of hope. I'm full of hope. With every miracle, when Jesus fed the 5,000, the following text says in Mark that they got on a ship and put out. And the scripture says that Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and beware of the leaven of Herod. And it said they said this, the disciples said amongst themselves, he said this because we have no bread. They looked at, Jesus looked at them and said, have you not understood the miracles? Is your heart still hard that you have not understood the miracles? Let me tell you this. When we see God move like we've seen God move in this place, do I need to remind you of the things we've seen God do? Sometimes it's easy to forget. Come on. Rick is over there with us today. Come on, somebody. No doctor gave him six months. But how many knows we still serve the great physician? Come on, somebody. He's with us today and there ain't no cancer in his body. Come on, somebody. That's a miracle up in this room. How many financial miracles have we seen? Come on, somebody. How many financial miracles have we seen? How many healings have we seen? Andy Smith, two weeks ago, needed something done to his knee. He either had a torn meniscus or something in his knee. God healed him on a Wednesday night. All right. Lord, I'm hollering. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Jesus said, why do you reason? Listen to this. When you see God move, your conversation can never start out with what you don't have. I said, when you see God move, your conversation cannot start with what you don't have anymore. If you got God, you got enough. I said, if you got God, you got enough. Somewhere around, Danny can preach this far better than mine. He can preach Joseph's life better than anybody else. But I believe it's in Genesis 37, somewhere around in there. Don't hold me to it. I ain't read it in a while. But but the text will start out. Joseph is butt naked on an auction block. Think about this. He's stripped naked, and he's standing on an auction block about to be sold as a slave. Joseph is a picture of Jesus. Come on, somebody. But the Scripture says in that condition, in that condition, that Joseph was successful for the Lord was with him. Fred, how are you going to be successful? 
You can read books after books after books, but if God ain't with you, you ain't got no hope. Come on, somebody. But if God is with you, you got everything you need. Come on, somebody. Danny talks about this, how he stands toe-to-toe with the Ivy Leaguer. How do you stand toe-to-toe with the Ivy Leaguer with a Cook County education? Because God is with you, and you trust the anointing and the power of God to rest on your life. Come on, somebody. Some trust in horses and some in chariots, but we shall remember the name of our God. Golly, I'm rich. I got to quit. I'm fixing to be done. Listen to this. When the storm, after they tossed the anchors into the ground, they put the four gospels. So they set their hearts and their souls was anchored in the goodness of God. Knowing that the storm I'm in, God ain't caused this mess. Come on, somebody. If it's got to do with killing, stealing, and destroying, God's not authoring any of that. I don't care what the Weather Channel puts. This is acts of God. This ain't no acts of God. God's acts are good. Every good gift come from above. Hello, somebody. This is what they said. Some of these other men saw these dinghies hanging on the side of the ship and they told the captain of the ship that they got to run up there and secure the stern. Secure the skiff. But they was fixing to sneak off that boat because it was getting bad. Paul hollers out to the, to the captain and he said, you tell the men if they leave the ship, they'll die. But if they stay on board, their lives will be saved. The next text that we read says that they cut the ropes and let, the, let them hit the water. That tells me the power of community. Psalm 66 verse 8 says that God sets the lonely in families. God puts us in family. The reason why God puts us in family is because none of us is down at the same time. I can promise you in the family, you might be in the greatest storm of your life, but somebody's not in the storm. Somebody's riding the high wave. And I can promise you this, when you're in the that's why the Bible says we weep with them that weep and we rejoice with them that rejoice. God puts us in family. Paul said in Ephesians that we are one body which by which every joint supplies and ligament holds us together. That means if I'm going through a storm, all I got to do is stay connected to the body. Come on, somebody. In my natural body, listen to this, in my natural body, if, if a wound happens to me or if trauma happens to my hand, everything that is around that area will begin to minister to that hand. Listen, come on somebody. Chrissy, you're not alone. Come on somebody. God puts you in a family, a strong family of believers to get around you, to encourage you, undergird you. And these people in this room that is buried children, lost loved ones, those are the ones that's got the power and authority to pray for you. You got to stay on the ship. When the storm comes, The human's natural response is to fight or to flight. But if you will stay your ground, I promise you this too shall pass. I looked at my sister, 47 years old, and I said, let me tell you something. The next chapters are going to be awesome. I don't know how God's going to write them. I don't got the answers. 
Well, see, people look for the preacher to give all kind of answers. I found this, and this is just great helpful for you young guys. When you go to the emergency room, that is not a time to give out your theology. People don't give a rip about your theology in the emergency room. All they need to know is you're there and that you care. And if you go in there and say this is the plan of God, I'll tell you what what that happened at the cabin. How many people been God took this or God took that? God's not a taker. He's a giver. Learn his identity. Just cause some icicle that never had an encounter with God went to seminary and thought he was called to preach the gospel, that doesn't mean it's the truth. Oh, Lord, I better calm down. I feel dusty roads coming up on me. The power of community. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23 when his brothers and his sisters came with his mother, came outside and he was preaching. They sent word in there and said, Jesus, your mom needs you outside. Jesus turned around and looked at him and said, who is my mother? And who is my brother? And who is my sister except these that do the will of God? Do you think that Jesus was devaluing family? No, he was elevating the value of the spiritual family. Come on, somebody. I thank God for my natural family, but my spiritual family is what took me this far. Come on, somebody. If they got me this far, listen to me. God's going to get me the rest of the way, and I have full confidence in that. All right, you ready? Let's land this plane. The last thing they did was Paul, they took communion. You could preach a lot on communion right there. But I'm not going to preach on communion part of that. They took communion, and when they had ate enough for them and themselves, and they were full, they took the rest of that grain, and they tossed it out of that ship. I can tell you this. When you enter the storm, you sow like you ain't never sown before. My God, that's good right there. First scripture to come to my mind was Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1, and it says this, to cast thy bread upon the waters, for they shall return. I've seen the enemy come in with a storm and try to attack us financially, try to put fear in me about giving. Come on, somebody. Anything that don't reciprocate from your life will begin to die. The implication of that verse is never live your life tight-fisted, friend. If you live tight-fisted, that's all it's ever going to be. But if you live with an open hand, if God pulls a 20, he's going to drop a 50 back. Come on, somebody. Because he always gives down, pressed down, shaking up, multiplying, and running over. That's his nature. Come on, somebody. Ephesians 3.20, God will do it seedily, abundantly, above all that we ask, think, or imagine in him. Through the power that worketh in us. In the storm... You sow like you ain't never sown. I'm just going to use Danny one more time. Maybe he won't get mad at me preaching by him so much. But you remember the testimony he said. When the building, when he left in that building, he went and got counsel. And the counsel told him, was did God tell you to build it? He said, yes. He said, all right, then you get back over there in that building and you just obey God. Come on, somebody. But he told, he looked, he said he looked at Kelly and said, if we go down, we're going to go down tithing. Come on, somebody. Can I tell you today, after multiple years, he ain't went down, but he's went up. Come on, somebody. You got to sow in the time of the storm. Genesis chapter 26 says Isaac was dwelling in a land of famine, but it said he never stopped sowing because of what was happening around him. Come on, somebody. I'm not hooked up to the S&P. We're not hooked up to the Dow Jones. We are hooked up to the kingdom of God. Come on, somebody. And God owns a cattle of a thousand hills. I 
Isaac said, well, we, we, we living in a land of famine. Everything's broke around us. I mean, look here. I mean, I mean, Lord, Rebecca, every, I mean, they ain't got nothing but little goodies and the freds in this land. So I, we ain't going to give like we normally give. The Bible says he sowed in that land and said he reaped a hundredfold in that very land. That tells me it don't matter where you're at. Come on, somebody. It don't matter if underneath your feet the soil is hard as concrete. Come on, somebody. You can still plant and watch God multiply your bread. You got to sow in the storm. It is in the storm that you sow like you've never so sowed before. We're going to give from this ministry like we've never given before. This happened in my family. I look back at what I gave at Christmas outside of what my kids got. We give several thousand dollars already. Now my sister need him. I reached in the safe at the house. I got some out of there. And I, I, just, I just kept feeling like, you know, man, you just can't dump it out like that, John. You, you, I mean, Lord, I ain't, I ain't no millionaire. I mean, you just can't grab it out with the brick at the time. You with me? But let me tell you something. The same God that put those bricks in there be the same God that adds to it. Come on, y'all. I'm trying to help somebody up in this room. I'm trying to tell y'all we either got a real God or we don't up in here this morning. The same God that provided them bricks will be the same God that adds to them. I just know this. They can't lodge. They can't sit there and stay. Come on, somebody. God will get to you what he can get through you, friend. Come on, somebody. Some of you wonder why God ain't blessed you financially because you what you're doing is you continue to eat the bread. You eat the bread. You eat the bread. You eat the bread. And it never gets off your ship out into the water. Listen to me. What I gave this morning left my hand, but it never left my life. If you read on down, I, I got to go right here. But if you read on down in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, it says that you cast your bread upon the waters. Does it not say this, Junior, that it will come back? And it says this, give six, seven, or eight times, for you do not know when. You do not know when the storm's coming to you. The implication of that verse is, listen, when the storm rises, I've already sowed in for provision of the storm. Do you understand with my life, I've done sowed enough in the ground. Come on, somebody, when John Bentley's child comes on the earth, I don't care if he even knows God. Granddaddy's done put enough in the ground. Granddaddy's done put enough in the ground so that when he gets in a storm in his life, he's going to be reaping and say, my God, why is he going to look at John Bentley's daddy? Why is God so good to us? You don't understand about your granddaddy. He was a giver. He lived a generous life, and he sowed all of this into our life. You give like you never given before let's wrap all this up I've hollered a lot what's the six things we're going to make it through the storm with number one you're going to lighten the ship you're going to take an examine of your life where you got where you got hurts and unforgiveness you're going to make it right where you striving and you working out of your flesh you're going to get yoked up to Jesus Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 his burden is easy what's the second thing you're going to do when the dark times come, you can't see the stars. You can't see the sun for 14 days, and it's just dark. You don't know what to do. Like my sister told me, she said, I cannot think about next week. I can only think about today. I said, that's all you qualified to think about anyhow. You got grace for today. When you wake up in the morning, you got grace for today. When you wake up next day, you got grace for that. In the dark times, what you going to trust? There's a new beginning happening in your life. The seed's got to grow into the dark soil to produce grain and wheat. Pictures are developed in a dark room, and the baby develops in the darkness of the womb. 
you're going you're gonna to trust in Psalms 18:11 that God hides himself in the darkness. God is with you. Psalms 23, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. You with me? What's the third thing we said? We're going to trust the promises of God. We're going to trust what God said. Just because 2020 entered doesn't change what God said. Just because everybody stayed at home one Sunday don't change what God said. Come on, y'all. If we get in here and don't want to worship and sit in here like dead wood, does it change what God said? Hello. If I run off and run astray, don't change what God said. Number four, we're going to trust the four anchors he gave us, the four gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're going to trust the pictures and portraits that he painted in there. You with me? I was going to quote the 21 chapters of John, but I'd be showing off, so I'm not going to do that. The Lord got on to me right there. I just fit and do it. Standing, I was fit to sling it out there. But that's a show off. <laughs> we don't give like we never give. You blessed in your soul this morning? Give God a great God bless you and stand to your feet and we're going to pray. How about would you grab your neighbor on the shoulder? And for the next two minutes, I just want you to pray and impart life of encouragement to them. Father, I speak encouragement over my neighbor right now. Father, I thank you that you're with them. I thank that you I thank you that you're for them. God, you're going to continue to bless them above and beyond what they could ever think, ask, or imagine. Father, I thank you that you're so wild about them. Father, I thank you that you're going to make the crooked way straight in the high place level. Father, I thank you that the heavens are open like never before over their lives. I thank you that the fountain of the deep is broken up. And as Matt said, they're going to experience a supernatural rain for the next 40 days and 40 nights. I thank you, Lord, that their children are blessed that their children's children are blessed. I thank you, Lord, that though 1,000 may fall at their left and 10,000 at their right, it shall not come nigh to their dwelling. I thank you for the promises of Psalm 91, that he that abideth under the shadow of the Almighty. I thank you that he that abides under the shadow of the Almighty, he's going to be protected. I thank you that the angels of the Lord stand on guard over their property. I thank you, God, that goodness and mercy are to the left. I thank you that the armor of God is to the right. And I thank you for the promise out of Isaiah that the glory of the Lord shall be our rear guard. I thank you for the promise of Isaiah 54, 17, that no weapon that formed against them shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against them shall fall condemned. Come on, somebody. I thank you, Lord, for Psalms 103, that you heal all our sickness and and all our disease, I speak divine health over them in 2020. In the name of Jesus, Father, I thank you, Lord God, for my family that you put me with. I thank you for the ligaments and joints in this house. God, you didn't call me to a weak church. You called me to a strong place. And I thank you that I stand with the mighty army of love sick believers in this place to worship you and to exalt you. In Jesus' mighty name, give God a great God bless you. Hug somebody, love on them. We'll see you next Sunday. We hope you enjoyed our message of the week. Thanks for joining us. Our passion at Cornerstone is our family atmosphere built on deep relationships. We want to connect with you. 
Please take a moment and download our app and connect with us on social media to stay updated with all things Cornerstone. We pray you have a wonderful week.